Well, Dick, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast. Brought to you from right here, live in the Hypnotic Donut Studio. Well, I, I say live, live as in I recorded it live, not that you uh, are listening to it live, I guess, Matt. If, unless unless someone really has has uh, is up there. It's, li- their it's live for me and you. It's very much like we, we have to, or, or, or we it's can't li- make any mistakes. Or, or, or it's live as the kids say. Kids say, it's, it's live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the kids say that anymore, so I think that's uh, already, that's already other out cool of the lexicon. But uh, regardless, uh, first podcast in the new year, Matt, and uh, ready to get it rocking, ready to get 2018, uh, you know, rolling along. And uh, you got any, uh, you got anything you're trying to to accomplish, or got any uh, resolutions here? I mean, I thought of this. I never like do resolutions, but people were either, yeah, yeah. People were talking about it at work, and there's all like the typical ones. I was, I'm kind of uh, maybe it's because we just finished another season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm always I feel like I'm complaining about stuff or being too sarcastic. So I'm going to be more positive in 2018. I'm going to be more glass half full. You're going to heed the call in 2018. You bet. So that was I mean, but that's not official. That's just something I thought about <laughs> when I was talking to folks the other day at work. But uh, how about you, man? What what's going to change for you in 2018? Um, I don't know. To, to be honest, like I'm, my whole thing is always like I'm, you know, I just feel like I need to better myself doing these things. I've always kind of felt like New Year's resolutions are kind of just kind of bold for the most part. If we're being real honest, you know? ooh, yeah, no, yes. they are, no, they are. Well, it's because okay, so here's the thing: I had customers like I, we were in and out of the office. I had customers send me like chocolate and wine, whatever else, and I'm opening all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not taking this home. The kids already have candy that's doing this. So yeah. I'm trying to walk these chocolates around, give them to my coworkers so I don't have to take them home or eat the whole box. And everybody's like, oh, sorry, I'm on this new diet. Oh, sorry, no, I'm, it's my resolution. And I'm like, last week you were popping three of those chocolates in your mouth. Like, what changed? Why did we do this? But anyway. That's, give, it, give, that's it, it, give it three weeks, and you can you can you can trot those candies out again. Everybody will take them. <laughs> yeah, I got a better hypothetical for you. Since we don't believe in the personal resolutions, what what is uh, what would you say is your number one resolution for Texas Tech football in 2018? What what should they do differently? Uh, win more games. How about that? Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that's the... <laughs> all right. Um, well, that ends that segment. Anyway. But no, I'm I'm excited. I mean, it's kind of like yeah. a blank slate, and I mean, we're going to get into it in a minute. But there's going to be plenty of changes for Texas Tech football. It seems um, changes that that weren't so obvious a, a couple weeks ago. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we wanted to kick it off with the early signing period, and I, I feel like if you're an avid listener of the podcast, we talked and we talked and we talked, and the one thing that we kept saying was, you know, we're not sure what to expect. Well, what happened was it. 
it kind of supplanted signing day, right? It became yeah. signing day. Um, and there's a whole lot of other details and ways to view that um, that we could get into. Um, but above and beyond that, it was, okay, well, now you've signed all these players. There's been all this movement on the coaching carousel. What happens when the assistants start leaving? Now coaches can hire a 10th assistant. What happens when what happens when a, a large program comes and takes your guy right. uh, for their 10th, you know, this, that, and the other? And, and now it's real. I mean, literally a couple weeks later, and now uh, here we are, and the coaches are, are – I say the coaches, but the, the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, now has a total of five uh, assistants to hire. So pretty yeah. – Pretty, pretty eye-opening. I know we're going to get into that in some detail, but uh, but yeah, Will. I mean, early signing day. What uh, what what did you think? What were your expectations and and kind of what were your thoughts? Not just with Texas Tech, but just in general. In general, I, I think a month out, like even just like that close, I kind of figured you might sign seven or eight, and figured most schools would sign you know anywhere from like eight to ten kids. Because I, I, it's it's a brand new deal, and it seemed like to me that a lot of kids just didn't really know about much about it a month out. Uh, felt to me like a a situation where I just didn't know how many kids would would go ahead and pull the trigger. Because in college football, unlike any other sport, there's this weird timeline where this is kind of you know cutting season as far as coaching staffs go, and you have a lot of change, and there's a big carousel. So I had wondered if a lot of kids would wait until February to see if there was going to be a bunch of change on the coaching staffs. But a bunch of them went ahead and jumped on it. And like you said, I think the most surprising thing to me is that it really kind of, in a quiet way, subverted what National Signing Day has always been in February. And it became the bigger day, I, it feels like to me. And, I, you know, I know, you know you've thrown out the statistic, and it's, it's been everywhere, that like more than 70% of kids that were eligible to sign signed already. So there's a very small pool left of guys that everybody's going to kind of fight over for their last, I don't know, you know, some schools are, are, are pretty much finished and are only going to take like one or two more guys. And then there's some schools that are going to take like tech that might take eight, eight more guys. Or, I mean, not, yeah. I mean total as far as what you're going to sign. So it, it, that's, that's an interesting thing to me is to see what all these schools do here down the stretch. And that's, that's the thing that has people a little bit worried, if you will, they follow recruiting as you hit the nail on the head is that when we're talking about it in general, yes, you know, I think it's seventy one point eight. So let's call it seventy two percent of of FB or kids sign with an FBS school in that early signing period. Now, what that does is you mentioned it. Like you know, let's just look in conference, right? Oklahoma State signed twenty two. Baylor signed twenty one. I mean, facts are they may be done, or they may sign one or two other kids, right? So kind of very no pressure. They're done sort of situation. They literally well, only have to recruit like three or four kids period to finish out their cycle. Right. And then, you know, there's advantages to that. You can move on to 2019, you can focus on other things, so on and so forth. Well, the, the polar opposite of that is when you sign 12 players like tech, I mean, by no means is anything to scoff at, but what that does is you just look at the talent pool that remains, right? Uh, if there are only roughly 30% of players available, uh, over the next month compared to the past year, two years, well, you know, obviously the quality of said player is going to go down as well. The best of the best, obviously Tech's not in the, if we're being realistic, right, they're not in the pool for the Rivals 100 guys, Rivals Better 250 left, yeah. guys per se. But even even to me, 
what's more concerning. And, and I think I wrote about this, I uh, say, I think I did, I wrote about this for the magazine. Um, is you look at like the fascinating thing to me is like, take Jakeem Grant, for example, everyone listening to this podcast loves Jakeem Grant. Right. Well, if you had this early signing day back then, Jakeem Grant would not be a red Raider. He'd be a golden hurricane. Right. Because he would have signed in December he didn't get his offer from Tech until January 10th, and then he committed shortly thereafter. But the fact of the matter is a lot of these kids, oh, Douglas Coleman wouldn't be at Red Raider, right? I mean, I could go down the list, but you are limiting yourself. And yes, it was a new year, but but as a program, you're limiting yourself to the talent that's available based on what you have by yeah. only signing so many players. Um, and – I mean, I'll argue that till the sun comes down. I don't. It's so interesting because you know when you say that out loud. Okay, well maybe they could eventually transfer to Tech, but that's a whole nother can of worms, right? That's and a and this completely different subject. Not even yeah. Thing. And and these this staff has um, this staff has been, pardon me, this staff has been very active in adding transfers, and they've had success in doing so. But a lot of the times when you're adding transfers, unless they're a marquee guy, a quarterback, a former, you know, highly ranked prospect that's a bounce back or something like that or a grad transfer, you know, most often they fall on the radar and they become depth guys. Um, you can't rely on that to supplement your because, roster or be like a plan A, right? Because, because Justice Parker and Eli Howard are the exception to the rule and not the rule. Exactly. So anyway, I – um. I don't know. For me, it's one of those things where we have to point it out, right? We report, you know, you guys kind of decide. But the fact of the matter is there are is a limited supply of, of players available. And the major takeaway was as somebody that covers recruiting and has done so for years and you even longer, neither of us, neither of us really thought until early December that this was going to kind of move this way. And even then to a man – we all said, well, no, I mean, a lot of these kids are just going to wait till February because of the unknowns. Well, we were all wrong, not just us, but like some of the top recruiting analysts, full-time guys in the business did not expect what happened. And so to me, um, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, there's going to be some good stories of kids that maybe wouldn't have had these offers before that do get them. Right. That would uh, be the good thing is they're going to be kids get chances that wouldn't have gotten chances before. Right. But if we're just talking, you know, top down from a talent perspective, uh, then no. I mean, we we do have to uh, you know, we do have to look at that a little bit more harshly. We do have to see, you know, what's available. And um, I guess before we go off into too many other tangents, let's let, I guess let's uh, let's focus on what tech did sign okay. like you know like what's that. in the door um and and I think the theme of the the class is offense right on the early signing easily, period easily. You can, uh, if we want to just address defense, the one guy he signed is Jalen Hutchings, who is a defensive tackle out of Forney. He's going to graduate early and be here uh, this month. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So he, he's recovering from a knee, but um, from all reports, a 6'1, 280, just very athletic kid. He even played running back last year for Forney. So uh, get him in the, the weight program, get him in the, the system, and, and he could be another twitchy guy. Uh, the, similar. Could, I think could play the, ta- the three or five, the tackle or end, just like Howard and these other guys. Well, yeah, and even uh, I was going to say real twitchy for his size, like a Wallace as well. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, 
but 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 then that's defense, right? That's your one guy that you got during the the early signing period. He's been a no doubter, right? No, uh, hey, is he talking to other schools or, or anything like that? I mean, he's been tech all the way. Um, so so good thing. But outside of that, you got your quarterback, you got five receivers, and you got five offensive linemen. So for me, um, no offense to Mr. Bowman. You're always going to get a quarterback, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But I think the biggest takeaway from the first ever early signing period is that you got five offensive linemen and five wide receivers. And just looking at the team as a whole, those are positions and and areas of the team that you had to replenish. Uh, Offensive line is a no-brainer. you got to take four to five guys every single year. I think you and I even harped on this this time last year, and and it's a beautiful thing to see just how many high school linemen – uh, of good size and good quality that they were able to land. Yeah, really. Um, like e- even even for the guys that are under the radar, I really like that group they took. Yeah, but that's uh, talk about a whole another subject, right? Yeah. Clayton Franks is like an all area, all state guy, and we have him as a five point three two star. But that that's something. A, yeah, that's that's something for me and you to to take up with the powers that be. Uh, but yeah, I don't see. I've even met Troy Bradshaw before and watched him play. I don't see two star out of him either. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but you get a bunch of quality guys that can join the room and can get involved immediately. You and I have both watched uh, Demarcus Marshall and we're big fans Stud. of his. Stud. And it just really matches what they're trying to do in the run game and up the middle uh, with their guard positions. Um, but I thought the other takeaway was five wide receivers because especially even after – uh, the early signing period, I mean, some of us expected it. Nobody was certain, but now Kiki Cootie is going to go to the NFL, and that leaves your wide receiver core. I mean, you wrote about it, so I'll let you kind of uh, talk through it, but it leaves your wide receiver core in a position where, you know, you, you've got Vasher who flashed, but then beyond that, you're going to have a lot of new faces. New. It's all new. Yeah, it's all new faces because you graduate your other three starters, technically your other three starters, from the beginning of the year anyway. Uh, Derek Willis didn't, I mean, you just didn't get anything out of him, and that, that is what it is. Uh, Cam Batson, four, and, and that's the thing, too. He's a three-year starter and a four-year starter at punt returner. So that is a lot of production to replace um, and a big role on your team, regardless of the stats he put up this year. That's a big role to replace. Dylan Cantrell was a great possession receiver for you. That's another a really reliable target to replace. So, yeah, I mean, you you got T.J. Vasher, but then you've got – a bunch of other guys in the mix that just haven't played a lot of football. That doesn't mean they aren't good receivers, because uh, I always think that traditionally you do well with that. So um, we'll kind of see here, but uh, but but yeah, I, I just feel like uh, you signed a big class and you absolutely had to. Well, from a number standpoint, just doing some quick math and even preparing for the show, uh, I was saying we need to say this slow and concise so that we don't lose folks. Um, but but let's look at it just from a number standpoint. Your total commitments currently is 17. You signed 12 during the early signing period. So they're, they're signed. They've signed a letter of intent. They are Red Raiders. Um, out of those 12, you have Sterling Galbon, who's a wide receiver. You have Myler Royals, who's a wide receiver. You have uh, Troy Bradshaw, who is an offensive lineman. And you have Jalen Hutchings, who's a defensive tackle, and Alan Bowman, who's your quarterback. So five guys all enrolling early uh, this month. So the the reason I say that is so five out of the 12 uh, kids are coming early. Now, what I say next is going to be confusing, you know, no matter who's listening. But what happens with the early signees is oftentimes, you know, you're held to an 85 
uh, a number of 85 scholarships. That's your limit, so to say. So what can happen is coaches can take maybe not all five, but two to three of those uh, scholarships and they can count them back to 2017. Right. And what I mean by that is that, okay, we've got 12. All right, well, well two or three of them are going to count back to 2017. So that gives us another two to three spots to use in the 2018 class. Now, you know, again, that's the best way I can explain that. But on the whole, the biggest takeaway is, okay, you signed 12. That leaves five commitments that did not sign early. And we're going to go over those here in a minute. Um, but then above and beyond that, that means usually, you, you know, at 17 total, you can take another four to five guys and have a quote unquote full class. Not every year you're going to take 25, but usually anywhere from 20 to 25 is a, a good number, regardless of early enrollees and now who signs early in the whole nine yards. Um, and depends on so, the, rest, the rest of your roster size too. And I think right. that's based off what I know. You're, you're taking a, a smaller than 25 group because you've got a pretty sure. bloated, I think, junior and sophomore classes. Well, and you took a couple late JUCOs last year, yep. and you also put Justice Parker on scholarship. Eli and there Howard, may be more I think Eli Howard yeah. you put on scholarship. So, so yeah, yeah so, so, so again, they may not be able to count back any of those. But at the end of the day, right, when we look at the remaining guys that ha- are committed but not yet signed, um, you still have room to add another three to five players, so to say. And so I think the, the goal all along was for them to take – 20 to 22 guys in the 2018 class. So, uh, you know, what we touched on earlier is going to become important because Mm. as we talk about these remaining commitments, that's all fine and well. Uh, But then when we talk about remaining needs, just remember that the majority of the talent is already signed. So guys that you go after now could be verbal commitments to other programs. They could be guys that are just simply flying under the radar, but it's going to be quick. I mean, I mentioned Douglas Coleman earlier. It's going to be guys that you identify quickly and guys that you say, I'm going to offer you, but I need, uh, I need you to say, yes, I'm in, I'm committed and I'm going to send you the paperwork because it's going to happen that quick. Yep. Nope. I, I, I think so. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's definitely the way it's going to go. So, uh, real quick, let's get into the guys speaking of the guys you've got committed and what you got left to do here. Uh, you got five commits left here. Uh, Gabe Douglas, a receiver, you know, I think the wonder there still is if he's going to qualify John Scott DL, he hasn't visited yet. And I think that was a, a part of the reason why he hasn't visited yet. Or I mean, di- didn't sign, uh, Xavier Benson wanted to wait to sign with his teammates. And then, uh, you got two more, you got Makai Garner and, uh, then you got, uh, you have Devin Brumfield, obviously, uh, who was just kind of waiting, waiting around. So you've got those five. Uh, every, we kind of know all about them uh, and the reasons why. Yeah, just real quick to touch on those. So you've got you've got you touched on D- Douglas. I mean, I hate to even say it. he's not going to no, qualify. He's going to go. Yeah, he's going to go the JUCO route. So technically, we're looking at four other guys now. Over the past week and a half, two weeks, we've talked to Brumfield uh, before J- uh, Jaluk left, which we'll get into some of that in a minute, but. Before he said, no, solid, um, you know, not talking to other schools, 100% tech. After saying the same thing, saying the right things, but um, again, you know, tech's going to have to replace the running back coach. They're going to have to stay in touch with him. They're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to maintain that commitment over the next month. 
uh, linebacker, defensive end, defensive back. We talked to Benson and we talked to Car- uh, Garner. Uh, Benson told us and our national crew that he was just simply waiting to sign with his team as a group. Same thing with Garner. He wanted to sign in December, but wanted to have a big party with his family and, and his relatives couldn't all be there. So he, he kicked the can down the road to February. We're just reporting what they tell us. John Scott's never talked to us, never talked to anybody. We're just going to have to figure that one out. But in terms of our sources and what we're told, he's he's still firmly with Tech. They just wanted him to be able to take his official visit uh, before having him sign all the paperwork. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. So that's so that's the group. That's that's what you've got left here that's committed. So let's say you take, for example, uh, if that gets you to seventeen. Let's let's say you take four more to get to twenty one. Uh, I would say you take maybe Tashawn Henry as a running back or something like that, and then you take the three best defenders available. Wouldn't you say that's fair? Is what you're going to kind of try, try to do here? Yeah, that's what I had written down. I mean, running back. I mean, when we talk about Douglas, I mean, they did just sign five guys, um, yeah. and they could take some some walk ons. But I mean, if the coaches find somebody they really like over the next month, they could add a wide receiver. But you know, I'd I'd put that on the low end of a, a probability. But yeah, running back, a defensive back, a defensive end, and a defensive tackle. That's kind of what I had written down. I think that's fair. Just 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 kind of something like that, and maybe even. Just kind of like I said, best available for your for your defense. So, uh, and I, if I you're listening, if you're listening, that, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, we could sit here and talk about it for for a few minutes, but but if you go to RedRaiderSports.com, you go to the inside the double T message board. We do have a recruiting board, and we're doing our best to keep that updated. Um, and and you'll see there are going to be more names at certain positions. And then, you know, we'll just go from there. I think I glossed over linebacker, but a linebacker as well, a true inside guy. Um, But we have updates on most of the top targets posted on the board. And we have that recruiting board that's kind of a living, breathing update. So um, it's going to be a wild month. But um, from what we do know, uh, you know, you've got pretty much your entire offensive class signed. So there's not a lot to worry about there outside of maintaining Brumfield and identifying another running back prospect. I don't want to downplay that. But the big thing here is def- uh, defense. And from from what we do know about Gibbs, he's very calculated and pointed in who he takes. He doesn't like to offer a ton of people. Um, so I think that, you know, it could help with the limited time that's available. But I, I do question the quality of prospect that's available too, and and I'm no Mel Kiper or national recruiting guy myself. Um, I'm just looking at it analytically and and you know based on what's still available. So plenty of guys listed in that. I think that's a good start for anyone listening to this to want that wants to know you know who are the coaches talking to, who are they going after, and then a couple of things to remember. Uh, before we jump into the coaching staff, is it's still a dead period. So uh, coaches are making phone calls. They're they're uh, messaging recruits and things of that nature. Uh, but not until next Thursday, the 11th of January, um, will the open contact period start. And that's when you'll see a lot of coaches, they'll, they'll be Wednesday night, they'll travel to where they're going to be, whether it be Dallas, Houston, et cetera. And they will start Thursday. They'll start hitting up high schools. They'll do that again Friday. Then they'll all come back to Lubbock. And and they can host uh, prospects that weekend. Uh, But from what we're being told, uh, the following weekend is the 19th. And they're going to have all the commitments there along with some of the other targets to maybe build some of that synergy and build momentum their way. So, um, you know, we've got a couple weeks till that happens, uh, two and a half, if you will. Um, so we're just going to need some time to follow up with these guys and kind of see, uh, you know, which way things are swinging with certain prospects. 
Yeah, no doubt. And we'll just kind of have to wait to see what we got. Uh, we're starting to kind of gather info on the top targets. Uh, really kind of trying to figure that out. Also, they're starting to, I think, really identify 2019 as well as a big part of what they're doing right now while they can't visit anywhere. So, uh, like, like Matt said, just kind of start with the board that we've got posted and, and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, we just don't have enough time to kind of go through a bunch of prospects uh, while we're recording this today. So, uh, finally, and speaking of this and coaches on the road and, uh, you know, You've got five different assistant spots now. As of today, you have five to fill. It could be become uh, maybe six. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens here uh, here in the next couple weeks. But uh, you got five to fill right now because of the, the the tenth assistant. So you've got your defensive backs coach Carl Stott. He goes off to be the defensive coordinator at Louisiana Lafayette. Totally get that. He took a, he took a I mean technically a promotion step up for him as a coach. Good for Carl Scott. I think he's a really smart guy. Good for him. Excited for him for the future. Uh, then you lose Jabbar Luke. He makes the transition to Lafayette back to Louisiana. And then you have uh, a couple here. I'm I'm I'm, I'm blanking here, Matt. On oh, I guess Eric no, Morris. I got you. Eric Morris is the head coach at Incarnate Word now. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for him to get a head coaching position. And Joe then, Robinson. Uh, was yeah, you, yeah, you let go of Joe Robinson. He's at UTEP now. So you've got five to fill right now. Might have a sixth. We'll see. So you've got a bunch of stuff to fill up here, Matt. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how you go about this. Because... Yeah, I mean, we we said it. Like I know for a fact. I don't even have to go back and and look at that. I mean, or listen to the podcast. We talked about it. I said. Coach Patrick was still here at this time, you know, last year, um, and and whoever else I mentioned. Jabar, like, Jabar Jaluk was technically still – or was – no, he wasn't. He was not. Yes, he was. Well, yeah, you said it opposite sides, right? Opposite but, sides, but, yeah, yes, yes, like, yes, like uh, we, we, we knew something – yeah, there you go. We knew something was going to happen, right, whether it be one or two guys. We knew something was going to happen. There's been too much movement in the coaching carousel for there not to be. So um, just to quickly recap that, you know, Morris becomes a head coach, albeit at Incarnate Word, so best of luck to him. Joe Robinson was not retained. He landed at UTEP. Um, Carl Scott took a promotion. And with Jaluk, um, he had an opportunity to take a multi-year deal, granted a little bit less money. Um, but he's back home, and, um, you know, he cited some some – uh, health issues with the family. So I don't think it's a, a, it should be viewed as a negative thing for tech. But the fact of the matter is the negative thing is this is on one hand, you want Kingsbury, Hocut, whoever else involved Gibbs, you want them to sit down, be thorough, take their time and hire the best available person for the job, right? Yes. All the variables included. Now, on the other hand, it's, kind of time to shit or get off the pot because we've been talking so much about early signing day and then now the talent that's available here. And I just mentioned the open contact period with your open contact period. You're looking at sending GAs on the road because you don't have coaches in place. Yes. Now there's a coaching convention this weekend, as I posted about, and they may be able to make some moves, hire some people that's yet to be determined, but you need folks on the road, and especially with a running back who hasn't signed. Who's my coach going to be? When you've got uh, a DB that hasn't signed. Yeah, yeah. When you've got a lot of these and and more that that you need to to attract, right? Yes. And like you said, I mean, for all we know, we could be recording this, and Bruce Feldman could be posting about how Zach Spavital is uh, now an NFL DBs coach. I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, any of this stuff, anything and everything can be expected. But I think the point being is from a recruiting aspect, 
it, as things sit right now, you are behind the eight ball yes. because you have to not only identify uh, – we, we, we talked about running back. We talked about defensive back. We talked about linebacker, and we talked about the defensive line. We have not seen new offers, Will. Nope, not yet. You have a defensive coordinator. You have a defensive line coach. We've seen no new offers. You have a defensive coordinator whose background is years and years of, de- of defensive backs. You have no new offers. You have, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you have people in place that could be making these offers. The offers are not being made. Now, I'm not saying that to be negative, but I'm just talking about what we know right now. That's a fact. That's not Kids an can't commit to you if they don't have an offer. Kids can't commit to you if they don't have a visit set up. So that's why I say right here now on Thursday, the 4th of January, yes, is there time left for a turnaround and, and we could see a lot of progress? 100% absolutely. I'm just trying to be realistic. Are you going to have all these coaches hired on a plane to wherever they need to go with a tech polo on, whatever? Are, are, is that going to happen quickly, or are you are we looking at more likely hiring a new staff like closer to signing day? Like I, I don't know. I don't know either. I I, I don't know how you go about this. Do you take your time to make sure you hire the right guys? You know, recruiting be damned. Or do you, you know, make sure you kind of get the guys you want and kind of try to hurry up the process here so you can get these guys out on the road and recruiting for you? I think there's certainly a balance to that, and you have to figure that out. And again, it's an unfortunate situation because if you had assigned 18 or 19, you wouldn't be worrying about it. You know what I'm saying? Nearly as much because you would say, "Oh well, we got all these kids signed. We're going to sign like three or four more, maybe, and we can, we can, you know, we can all as a staff just sign, you know, target six or seven guys and go, you know, try to sign three or four. Like that's not a big deal." But the fact that you only signed 12 means you've got a big chunk of this left while most schools don't. And that's just a simple fact of the matter. Now, it also, uh, you know, as I kind of posted there last week, you know, I said I'm just kind of curious to see what your salary pool looks like here and, and to see, you know, if guys want to come and coach here. Because let's be real honest, there's still a lot of uncertainty on the future of this staff and, and where things are at. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a year-to-year deal here. Unless you have a big year this next year and you feel like things are really just steady for the next three or four years, that's just a matter. Just kind of the, the the facts of the matter is how many guys are you going to get to you know come coach here whenever they don't know if if this time next year if they're going to be here. And on top of that, what does your salary pool actually look like? Because it, you know in the past, including this last year, you had one of the lowest salary pools in the conference and in really in all of Power Five. If they've saved up a bunch of money and they're going to hire a bunch of guys that, you know, trophy fish as far as assistants go, awesome, great. You know, go show me and go do it. That's awesome. But uh, until they do it, I just don't know if you can do it. So, I mean, that's just a simple Yeah, that's, I mean, because, I mean, you said a lot right there. I mean, because it's hard because do you want to go and hire the assistant that's worth his salt? Do you want to hire the guy that can really impact your recruiting? Absolutely. Yes. But what if that guy has a competing offer and he's looking at the situation at tech and, you know, look, I mean, Kingsbury won at Texas, uh, but if he would have lost, everyone would have been clamoring for him to be fired. So the reality is, Hey, you know, let's, let's look at this situation holistically and let's see what, what can you what can you get? But I mean, traditionally, like, to me, I just keep saying I'm analytical. I'll go back to the facts. I mean, the facts are when you've needed coaches, you've hired them from Law Tech, North Texas, 
or guys that F-A- simply F-A-U. yeah, F-A-U, or well, or guys that simply weren't retained by a new coach or their coaching staff got fired. I mean, you can't always pin that on an assistant, but I mean, they're not coming from like you, know, you haven't hired guys from like a, a huge program or anything like that. So I guess I'm just saying, and it's not just last year. You go back years before that, like. It's a trend. I mean, when OU needs a DB's coach, they call Kerry Cooks from Notre Dame. You saw with AM, you know, when they're hiring guys, they get them from Florida State. Now they've hired the defensive coordinator from Notre Dame. Nobody sitting here, you or me, is not dumb enough to think that Tech's just going to write a blank check and just bring someone in. But you do have to compete, you got to shoot your shot. You know, I mean, you got to like, and, and it's not, I, when I say you, I'm talking Cliff Kingsbury has to make the phone call, has to sit down with these guys and hop on a plane and go meet with them if he has to. Um, and Hoka, just to say, if, if, if the fact of the matter is that Kingsbury has the support of the entire athletic department, those guys need to hear that. If the fact is that he signed through 2020 and that's how they want it to be, then they need to hear that. It has yes. to be a collective effort. This is all sales. This is all recruitment uh, of the highest order. And I think that if if I go back to the very beginning and we're talking about our resolutions, let me be glass half full. Let me try to be a little bit positive here. Let's look at some silver linings, okay? Yes, you've had guys that have worked for you for multiple years and that have gone on to bigger opportunities. That's a selling point for any potential new hire. But you also have an opportunity to to refresh both the offensive and defensive staffs. Jameson's been here a year we both like what we've seen from him. Yes. Spavadol and same, Gibbs. Same yeah. with Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones has been here a year like what I've seen. Exactly. Spavadol and Gibbs, they they came as a package. They're staying as a package. But they have an opportunity to hire two new assistants on that side of the ball. You have an opportunity to hire three new assistants on the offensive side of the ball. Okay? You have an opportunity to really reshape what you have from a recruiting standpoint. Let's take, for example, a guy that I had posted about, uh, Clarence McKinney. Right? I mean, bar none, he is known as a recruiter. I can't tell you much about his abilities as a running backs coach. I'm sure he's very good at that. But what I do know about Clarence McKinney is that just like you heard Kevin Curtis's name all the time when he worked here, that's what it's like when I cover A&M and I talk about Clarence McKinney throughout the entire state of Texas. So you need guys like that. I'm not saying every guy they hired has to has to be like that. Heck, some people have even posted on the board that they'd like a couple of graybeards to be hired. Somebody that could help, uh, you know, uh, be a, a, a shoulder to, to lean on for Cliff or, or somebody that can, you know, consult with him or give him advice. Right. So so I just think they have an, a good opportunity to really kind of reshape what this staff looks like. And if you think of it. Cliff is the only person left over. Everything else about your staff is brand new. And most people listening to this will agree that, okay, the the, the big positive as well is that you re-signed David Gibbs. He got a raise, which means you're going to hold on to your defensive coordinator. And you're going to have more continuity that you hadn't had in so many years past. I mean, it's crazy to think he's going to come back for a fourth season. He's going to have yeah. – he's going to have – seven to eight deep on the defensive line. He's going to have the best linebacking core in the big 12 far none. And he's going to have a ton of depth that they added in the secondary. So, I mean, all positive on the defense side of the ball. Let's just go get some recruiters. Let's get some guys that, that, uh, you know, that, that bring a little excitement there. Um, but you know, 
Coach Gibbs is the same guy that hired Carl Scott. And and if we're all being honest, we didn't know who Carl Scott was. Nope. Um, and, and same thing goes for some of these other guys that have been hired and, and that have done good things. I think when we talk about, I think where the, the salary compensation and the numbers come into play is when you find some of these guys, if you are going to lower levels and you're going to hire somebody, let hire somebody that can be retained. How do you retain them? You know, if you if you bring them in at a lower salary and they do a really good job or you set some parameters to judge them by, then then how about we rip up the contract and pay them a little bit more in year two, you You know, or whatever the case may be. You back up the cheddar truck. That's what you got to do. And I just I don't know. I just think that that is, you know. I don't know if, if if we go back and we listen to this and that's clear as mud, but that's really the only time where the assistant pay comes into play here is why why are you constantly having to redo the uh, the the staff? Is it all because of guys getting promotions or is it because guys are leaving because they're getting another 50k thrown their way? I mean, you've got a little bit of both of that. And so, um, you know, my my post that i'll stick behind is that okay let's just wait and see what happens let's let them prove it that that they're willing to go out and spend and get some of these guys but then on top of that um you know let's just see what shakes out it's way too early to to kind of judge some of this stuff and to me all due respect to the jalukes and and any of these other guys but i mean i feel like you can find a running backs coach i feel like you can find a defensive backs coach. Now I'm not saying they're all created equal, but what you cannot find is somebody that can be a tireless recruiter because it's a thankless job. No, you don't get a lot of credit for it uh, only once a year. And then even then, I mean, it kind of comes and goes. So I don't know all in all, I think that with all the changes that have happened in college football from a coaching perspective around the, the nation, there should be some very good assistants waiting around. It's yes. just going to take some some Cash. money to attract their attention. I agree. No, there's assistance to be had. There's and let's just be honest. Moving forward, if you want to win more football games, you have got to pay more money. And whether that's to retain the guys that you hire that you found, or that's to hire better assistants, and you've got to do both of those things moving forward. It's not a negotiable thing. It's it's a, it's a simple fact that if you want to win more games and you want to recruit better, you've got to keep improving your staff. Whether I said like I said, retaining the guys that you find, or that's by finding new guys. So, I think we've riffed on plenty here, Matt. Uh, anything you want to you want you want to say before I close this out here? No, I mean, just stick with us. Um, I mentioned earlier with the recruiting hot board for 2018. I mean, there's you and I love this stuff. We could wrap on this for another hour. There's so many different ways to view this. Um, but but when we talk and say this stuff or report it, it's not being negative. It's just to kind of give you guys the information you need yeah. to, to address, you know, what's going on with the program. Um, if, if somebody asks me, Hey, well, how do they do it at Baylor? Or, Hey, what have you noticed about A&M? Well, I'm going to answer you. Right. And if, if tech doesn't have the same resources, then people are going to ask why we certainly will do that. Matt will be an interesting next couple weeks here as we get rolling towards uh national signing day. Uh, once again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the victory bells podcast. I'm will he's Matt. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. See ya.